I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Curious Conversations with Tully and Sarah. We sit down and chat with business owners, entrepreneurs, and some of the best conversation starters. This is a podcast about real life lessons and people doing cool shit. Guys, what's up? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to another episode of Curious Conversations with Tally and Sarah on On tour tour in Los Angeles. So today's guest is a fellow Aussie, Michelle Battersby. Uh, A lot of you might know her from Bumble. Yes. Um, Or Keep It Cleaner, but probably I think a lot of people would remember her from Bumble because she really kick-started the Bumble, you know, a, a marketing guru from Australia, I'd yeah. say. 100%. Now, we've wanted to have uh, Michelle on for a very long time. Yep. But again, it's something that like I feel like you need to actually sit down with these guests and really like get into the conversation. It's really hard on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously we're in LA and Michelle has previously moved, I think a year ago, she said, yep. moved to Los Angeles to start an uh, amazing company that I knew little about. Yep. And I was like, wow. I didn't know much about it. The app is called Sunroom and it's for content creators and like me as a consumer following my favourite content creators, being able to speak to them personally and it's all through like a membership level. Yeah. And when we wrapped our conversation with Michelle, we are like, oh my God, like I learned so much about, mm. about this app and it's actually bloody brilliant. Yeah, and it's really hard to explain. Like if you had asked me now, like – it's still hard for me to explain, but I understand it. Oh, preparing for this episode, I was like, oh, like, what is Sunroom? And you're like, oh, I actually don't know. Yeah, and I, I, I've got the app and um, I've got it accepted as a creator, but I was like, I don't know how to use it. So I was yeah. really excited to speak to Michelle today and it got me excited that there is a platform out there for consumers and um, content creators to make another passive income. So um, I think that's really great and I think it's great for consumers to get close to the content creators because mm-hmm. like she's you know a lot of us including me including you we follow content creators are obsessed with and to have that kind of more personal interaction is amazing and be able to pick their brains and and it's not just for business people and in the content creation world it's for like even Chantel Otten who we had on mm. the podcast who we know always gets shadow banned for mentioning sex and yeah. like vulva and vagina on Instagram mm-hmm. whereas on this app she can speak freely about it talk about dildos if she wants yeah. to it's amazing so it was really great conversation and I really enjoyed Michelle I think she is you know, just so knowledgeable in the marketing space. Yeah. Create like content creators, but she's yep. worked with a lot of content creators. So it was really great to chat with her. And she yeah. spoke really honestly about her, her experience of this is a whole new ball game for her. Mm. She's never done a startup. So she goes through imposter, sin- imposter, imposter syndrome. syndrome and she'd never raised capital. So we talk about that. And just the challenges of moving overseas and trying to make it. Yeah. And as we all know, living in America is not easy. And especially if you're an Australian coming to America. So hats off to her because she's really inspiring. And I really, really enjoyed that conversation. Today. I did too. Yeah. So I think we should just get straight into it with Michelle. Michelle, what's up? Hi. How Welcome I- to my house. I know. <laughs> I'm so excited. We're in Santa Monica in Los Angeles and it's beautiful here. It's so nice. Yeah, it's a big change from lockdown in Melbourne. I know. <laughs> Seriously, it's so bizarre. But um, I just want to know quickly, why are you in LA? I'm in LA for Sunroom, which is my business. I met my co-founder virtually during the pandemic. Oh, wow. We'd never met in real life. No way. Never met, no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and she had an, an idea which ended up becoming Sunroom. And I remember on the first call I had with her, which was when I was in lockdown in Melbourne, she said, if we're going to do this, I think we should do it in LA. Do you have any ties to Australia? And I really didn't. So I said, yeah, sure, and basically started working on getting a visa, moving, 
No way. And yeah, founding this business. Why why America? Why not Australia? To run a company like ours that's kind of like a consumer social app, mm-hmm. kind of like a marketplace. It's like a cross between many different things, mm-hmm. but to run a monetization platform for creators. Uh, LA just makes a lot of sense. There are a lot of creators over here, mm-hmm. people wanting to make it, people wanting to earn money online. Uh, there's also great investors over here. It's the Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just makes more sense to build a, I mean, we want to build a big business. That's yeah. not saying you can't do that in Australia. Of course you can. Mm-hmm. Like there are huge tech companies that are blowing up that are out of Australia, but we wanted to do it over here. And we both had come from, American companies as well. So my co-founder used to work at Hinge. Mm-hmm. She actually designed the interface for oh, the wow. Hinge app. Yeah. Yeah. And with me being at Bumble before, yeah. we kind of had an understanding of this market, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. So at that current time, were you currently working at another business? Yeah, I was. Okay. That's crazy. So no, I was gonna say two female founders coming to America. How's it been going to, say, meetings with to raise capital and things like that? It's interesting because all of our raise was done virtually. Oh, wow. So, yeah, because we were in the pandemic and I was still in Australia. So I guess what happened is I had I'd been thinking about what was going to come next mm. and starting to look at other opportunities. Mm-hmm. 2020 was a pretty hard year for a lot of people. I was definitely emotionally drained from lockdown. Mm-hmm in Melbourne and like a few personal things. So I ended up leaving my job and moving back to Sydney. And I really wanted to give myself some time to really think about my next step and if this was the best opportunity and start doing research into the space and and things like that. So it would have been December 2020, January 2021, mm-hmm. when everything really started to come together. And Lucy, my co-founder, had done a like an accelerator incubator type thing for tech entrepreneurs which really set us up to raise capital so yep. she did a program called on deck and they introduced us to a lot of investors in silicon valley and we both went out to our networks as well so mm-hmm. people that we'd worked with in the past in tech uh and once you get one check it's easy to get others yeah, and there yeah. was a lot of appetite for our idea. Like we didn't, we hadn't started building. We didn't have any product to show anyone at that point. We just just had the concept and wireframes that Lucy had mocked up of what the app could look like. Mm -hmm. And we had a go-to-market strategy and that was about it. Wow. But the creator economy was really popping off at the end of 2020. Yeah. Like OnlyFans was Mm. booming. Mm -hmm. They were making so much money. Uh, there were a lot of companies trying to tap into the space, but yeah. no one was really thinking about it specifically for women and non-binary creators, mm-hmm. which is the audience or the demographic Sunroom serves. Uh, so I think investors knew that it made sense for women to run mm-hmm. a company that was going to tap into that market. So our story was compelling, I suppose. Yeah, And honestly... <laughs> That was the easiest part. Yeah. yeah. Like raising money was the easiest part. Really? It's been the easiest part wow. so far. But I'll kick myself for saying like yeah. it's going to get a hell of yeah. a lot harder. Yeah. Like I will not continue to feel that way at all. I yeah. know our next raise will be way harder. Yeah. But that was a very exciting, exhilarating, mm. rewarding first step. Yeah. When you got your first check cut, what was that like? So I need to accredit like all of that to Lucy. So Lucy did the first, like definitely got us our first Mm -hmm. checks. And that, yeah, it really gets the ball rolling because making your raise competitive, it makes all these other investors like not want to miss out on this Mm -hmm. this thing. And the sense of urgency and Mm -hmm. the appetite really kickstarts this, I guess, tumbleweed of action. Uh, but for me, I didn't I didn't know anything about raising money and I didn't know if I'd be able to get us any money. Mm-hmm. But when I so when I moved back to Sydney to figure my life out and start working on this and move over to America, I went to a lunch and 
I was seated across the table from this woman and she was really interested in what I was doing and I told her about this idea and told her that we were thinking about raising money and she was like, can you come to my house next week? No uh, I want to invest in this. Wow. And I don't want to say who she is or, no. what, or what she did. Mm-hmm. What she did, And she didn't actually end up investing, yeah. but she ended up offering a lot mm. of money. Wow. And that was a moment where I felt like, oh, maybe I could start speaking to more people. Maybe I could get us more money. So then yeah. I started going after it a little bit more, meeting with funds in Australia, speaking with people I'd worked with in the past, like mm-hmm. people from Bumble and things like that. And yeah, it was really rewarding to be able to add to our pool of, yeah, of money. That's crazy. I want to go to Lucy. How did she know about you? Like, how was that connection? So she has just been so considered and well thought out in every move yeah. she's made and decision she's made so far with Sunroom. And she really knew the kinds of people that she wanted to build with. Mm-hmm. And when she first started looking into this, she identified that one of the, I guess, issues which leads, or I guess one of the problems which leads to opportunity mm-hmm. is that OnlyFans has a brand perception issue yep. and there's definitely a stigma associated with being on OnlyFans. Yep. And it sucks that that exists, mm-hmm. but that's society. Yeah, it's true. So she knew that, and I think OnlyFans is great. I'll just yeah. say that. Like it's does it's created so much financial independence and opportunity for the creators on it. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing Especially thing. Especially during a pandemic. Yeah. yeah. It helped normalize creators putting a price on their content. Like yeah. there are many great things that have come out of that mm-hmm. and will continue to come out of that. But Lucy could tell that the stigma and the perception meant that other people were missing out on yeah. like trying that platform yeah, or right. putting the, a price on their content. And so she knew that if she was to build something which would compete with that. Marketing and branding would be really important. Mm-hmm. So she wanted to specifically work with someone from Bumble. So she was living in New York with a guy that I also know. Oh, wow. And so she asked him, I know, you know, Michelle, don't know if she'd want a new job. <laughs> would be looking to found something. But I really want to work with someone from Bumble. And I can remember her first email. And it was by no means an offer. It was just this email which said, you know, I'm thinking, I've got this idea. I would, I know you've got, because I'd only been at Keep It Cleaner for like a year. Mm-hmm. She's like, I know you've got this new job. I'm not sure if you'd be open to, to moving. But do you know anyone who's left Bumble who might be interested? Do you know anyone who's thinking about leaving oh, Bumble wow. that might be interested? So I just got on a, the phone phone with her and... Uh, she was just so smart and ambitious and really blew me away. And I thought about it for a while. It's like, will I introduce her to anyone or like, should I think about this? So I did like really sit on that for a while um, because the idea actually scared me a bit at first because Mm -hmm. it was much more in the OnlyFans porn Mm -hmm. type space. And I didn't know if that was something that I was passionate about Mm -hmm. uh, or that I knew enough about to commit to. So I just started thinking and researching and, yeah, it just kind of evolved from there. Yeah. That was a very long answer to your question. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Like we met through a mutual friend. Get to the point. (laughs) There might be a few people listening back to our previous chat about raising capital and they'll be thinking, why do people raise capital and you mentioned how it works, but why did you guys raise capital? How does it help you? It really helps kickstart your growth is mm-hmm. the main reason why I think people choose to raise. Mm-hmm. You could obviously bootstrap a company as well and use your own money. Yeah, It depends what kind of position you're in. Yeah. I also think raising capital, it really opens up a network of brains yeah. Yeah. that are on your side brains and contacts and people in positions of power and people who have extreme amounts of knowledge Mm -hmm. around what makes a business successful, what metrics are important, what how to how to focus and how to prioritize what you're doing and I think for first-time founders that can be exceptionally valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, We lean on our investors 
so much for advice. They don't hassle us at all. Like I was scared at first. I had no yeah. idea what it would mean to have investors. Are these people who are going to tell us what to do? Are they people that are going to email us all the time about our revenue? Are we going to feel like we really need to answer to them? But it's not like that at all. It's just an army of people who want to support you and want to help you. So it definitely helps because you can get a large cash injection. Mm -hmm. You can hire fast. You can go out to market fast. You can spend a decent, not extortionate, but like a decent decent amount of money on your launch. And I think it's just speed. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, our investors have really helped us. Like one of our Bigger, or I guess our lead investor is a VC fund from Australia called Blackbird. And when they invested, Lucy and I got put in a founders academy, and it's every oh, wow. founder that they've they invested in that mm-hmm. year. And we do a series of workshops, and we learn about how to structure your board. We learn about employer brand. We hear from some of their billion dollar like CEOs. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's it's really helpful in the kind of stuff you need to know. And it yeah. just means when we have no idea what we should be doing, which is a lot of the time, yeah. <laughs> we can reach out to people and say, you know, what should we be focusing on? What do you think about this approach? Yeah. We're having issues with Apple. Do you know someone at Apple who yeah. can help, you know, get this across the line and mm. things like that? Are the people that invested into the company, are they all females or are they males? So... of our investors are women angels. So when we first raised, because we were considering doing a little bit more like nudity, we didn't really Mm -hmm. know where we were going to draw the line with nudity, that scared a lot of institutional funds. Mm -hmm. A lot of big funds have clauses in their I don't oh, know, wow. like where rules, they, yeah, 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 where they can't invest in porn, nudity, oh. drugs, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it makes companies that are a little bit more sex positive a bit scary mm-hmm. to them and they have to check if they're even allowed to invest. Uh, but we ended up, like when we first did our pre-seed, we still had so much to work out mm. and now we've really refined our positioning and that allowed funds like Blackbird to invest and yeah yeah. so can you just give us we've spoken a lot about how you guys launched and all that stuff can you just give us a little bit of a rundown of why someone would download Sunroom and be a creator or what's the other side of it is it just consumers consumers yeah yeah. Mm. why would they jump onto Sunroom there's just so much to talk about with Sunroom it's always so hard for me to just (laughs) capture it in a line which I really need to work out how to do (laughs) Um, but we honestly, like we only launched four months ago. We are still somewhat figuring it out. But basically, um, Sunroom, it's an app for creators, specifically women and non-binary mm-hmm. creators to monetize their content. Mm-hmm. So they come on the app, they set a month-to-month subscription price, and they really promote to their audience. We're not a social network. We're not going to help you go viral. We're not going to help you amass a huge following. It's really the role of the creator to bring their super fans across. So in terms of the people who pay, it it is the people who are really uh, obsessed or infatuated with a certain person or they want to learn something Mm -hmm. from that Mm -hmm. person or they want to see more about their life or they want to see content that they're not showing anywhere else. So that's like the member side. It's really kind of through the creator. And with the creators, traditionally, creators have only really been able to make money through two ways, brand deals and like ad revenue share agreements. And with brand deals, it's been a bit of a tricky space because I think there have also been loads of stigmas associated with being Mm. a creator or being an influencer. I think influencer has been used as like a dirty word in the past to really devalue someone. Mm. And it normally is women, to be honest, that that's used against. Um, And normally you amass a following online by being authentic and then brands start becoming attracted to you and you're able to monetize yourself and your image. But then you start partnering with brands that sometimes can strip you of your authenticity. And I think it's like a really hard line for creators to walk, like making money, but also like staying true to themselves or not just taking everything that kind of comes their way, which can sometimes be unreliable as well. So 
content monetization platforms like Sunroom, like Patreon, like OnlyFans, they really just open up a new third revenue channel for creators and they're much more in control and have more freedom and don't have to abide by brand guidelines or Mm -hmm. um, things like that. So the creators on Sunroom are people who are wanting to like monetize themselves and their content. Um, But there's also a large group of creators on Sunroom who are the kinds of people that have been censored and shadow banned Mm. on Instagram and on TikTok. So one of the differences with Sunroom is that we have a slightly more progressive approach to moderation. So we don't use AI and we don't use algorithms. We use humans. Mm -hmm. I'm one of them. And we moderate. (laughs) We moderate the app. Yeah. So it means that we can allow more conversation around sex, pleasure, identity, motherhood, breastfeeding, all these topics that Instagram and TikTok often unfairly moderate because they're moderating at scale and they're using technology. And like even creators that are too opinionated have kind of come up against this. They've lost access to their DMs. They've lost access to going live. We've got creators that have been deplatformed at 50,000 followers because they spoke about childbirth. So there's a lot of creators that just want to be able to speak more on those kinds of topics. Mm. And so that's another reason why creators are coming to Sunroom because we do moderate in a bit of a different way. I think you explained that really well because Sarah and I were talking about before and I've just, I've been accepted, but I don't know how to use it. So I was like, I need to talk to you about it. But we were like, I'm, we're not too, like we know the concept, but it's Mm. good that you explained it like that. Because I was playing on it last night. I was like, where's the investment in crypto bit? Yeah. I want want that tab. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It makes a lot of sense because there are, we've had Chantelle often on our podcast. Love her. Love, obsessed, like such a cool chick. We tried to search her the other night for a friend. Yeah, she's shadow banned on Instagram. Yes. And I'm like, that is so annoying. So many of the creators, like when we first did our lists of all the people that we felt like would really benefit from being in Sunroom, we would then go back to DM them, can't find them. Like so many of them are shadow banned or they would lose their accounts in the space between us thinking that's a good creator for Sunroom and then deplatformed. Just deleted. Yeah. Whoa, and they've built up that following for so long. That's crazy. Who would be like one of the most engaging creators creators that you have on the app that's making like good cash? Uh, There's a few. I mean, I'm just obsessed with anyone who'll even come on Sunroom. (laughs) But there's a handful that are truly, well, they're all amazing, but there are some real standouts. Like Chantel is incredible. She she posted a series the other day around like how to take the best nudes and it was just so mesmerizing. Yeah. And it's all about body positioning. And girls would and love lighting. that. Girls would love that. Yeah. And she just does it so well. Yeah. But there's another creator called Comfortable in My Skin who does this. So we allow some nudity on Sunroom mm-hmm. when it's not in a sexual context. Yeah. So yeah. we don't allow porn. We can't allow porn because we're on the app store. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a creator called Comfortable in My Skin and she's done this series and it's so moving and it's women just like sitting in nature or in the studio topless Mm -hmm. talking about their relationship with their boobs. Oh, wow. And like all the highs and lows, women speaking about um, like having their boobs after uh, having children, women talking about having like lumps removed from their boobs, women with all different shape and size boobs just talking about how they came to accept and love themselves. Mm -hmm. And there's never been a space on the internet for that to exist. Normally when you see naked or women or naked I hate even saying that having your boobs out is naked because it's just not really fair. Yeah. But <laughs> normally when you see that kind of content, it's not for a female gaze. It's for a male gaze. Yeah, yeah. And this content is just so pure and real and inspirational. It's really, really moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's quite a bit of that going on on Sunroom. And it's genuinely really inspired me and made me think about even how I embrace my own body. So. Yeah. I feel like that's the kind of stuff to to definitely check out. But then it's like if you have a creator out there that you're obsessed with and you just want to know more about what parties they went to on the weekend yeah. or like <laughs> what they do in a day, then there's also a lot of that. Do you think the creator space, the influencer creator space on Instagram and TikTok, do you find that after the pandemic that a lot of us or creators, influencers are being a little bit more private on Instagram and pulling mm. back a little bit? That's a really good question. I I think that has happened. Yeah. But I think it's also happened because just what 
consumers needed Mm -hmm. and wanted during the pandemic Mm -hmm. really shifted. Mm -hmm. And I think there was this huge transition from aspirational content and living your most luxurious life Mm. with all this glam stuff going on to people really needing something different to that. And people were looking more for inspirational content. And I think content that was really relatable. Mm -hmm. And I think that probably scared people. I think a lot of people were scared about social media during the pandemic as well, Mm -hmm. especially with all of us in lockdown. Like there was a lot going on online and there were a lot of different opinions. Mm -hmm. It was a really polarizing time. And so I think that also affected people's willingness to even put anything Mm -hmm. out there because there was a lot of judgment Yeah. also. And everyone was angry and upset. So Mm. it was very hard. But I also think there's been this shift from Instagram, we really just used to sit and observe, you know, and you might chat to people here and there or engage Mm. in online communities if you're really obsessed with someone. But with TikTok, it's not really about well, I mean, I definitely sit and observe for hours. Love TikTok. But, yeah. <laughs> but don't you think it's a little bit more of an experience? Like yes. if you're all, with that yesterday. If you're on TikTok yourself, like you really have to be, even if you're doing the dances or mm. lip syncing or whatever it is, there's a bit more to it. It's yeah. more of an Agreed. experience. It's more about entertainment. It's it takes more to engage in it, yeah. I think. So it's that's changing things quite rapidly, but I yeah. think it's it's interesting. Like TikTok's got my attention. I over. want to talk about TikTok with you too. <laughs> <laughs> You're going viral. Oh, oh gross girl. <laughs> gross talk. girl. It's actually hilarious. <laughs> I've seen you pop up on my for you page so many times, and I was like, I need to follow this. Do you want to know? Like, so I spoke about this on my sunroom, and it was for people to pay to get the information, but I'll share it. <laughs> so about four weeks ago, we were really thinking about how we would run our sunroom TikTok. Mm -hmm. And we'd been experimenting with things. I think it's pretty hard to build a brand presence on TikTok. Yeah. So hard. So we reached out to this founder in New York who's amazing. Her name's Nada and she's got a company called It's August Co. And it's all about like sustainable sanitary items. And they have a really great brand account. And she's got about 3 million followers on TikTok herself. So I was like, can we pay you for your time? And can you please just tell me everything you know Mm -hmm. about TikTok and how we crack this? So we spent an hour with her and she just gave some of the best advice. She said, think about it like it's your Instagram stories. And that really took the pressure off for me. Mm -hmm. And she said, if you're not authentic on TikTok, you're going to get caught out in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And she did talk about finding your niche and she spoke about how often you need to be posting. And she was posting 50 times a day. What? I thought it was like three or four and I was like, that's a lot. 50 50 times a day, which is insane. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) just moving. (laughs) She's moving spots. She's sick of me. She's going to sit next to Sarah. But it was this conversation that really just changed my, is she annoying you? No, she's so cute. I'm going to join in. Leia, we're getting to the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm like, hashtag gross girl. <laughs> yeah. She really, that advice around treating it like it's your Instagram stories like really that. just shifted my mindset mm-hmm. on it. So I just started posting once a day random stuff. I wasn't trying at all. My content was so low effort. Mm-hmm. And then I had a conversation with Bill and I just spoke about how I'm never going to be able to create that really aesthetically pleasing content. Oh, that's yeah. that's it's not me. I can't do the white lighting, nah. candles, everything. I love that stuff, yeah. but there's no way I can do it. Like mm-hmm. I am actually a grot. <laughs> and then I literally just had this conversation with him and it just came to me, okay, gross girl talk. I just filmed myself living in my messiness and I put my phone down and then I picked it up like gone three by. hours later. And I had gone from 2,000, I went from 2,000 followers to 30,000 followers in 24 hours. No way. Yeah. And now, this was like two weeks ago. Right now I have 60,000 followers in literally like two, maybe three weeks max. Oh, but do you know what? It's so relatable because everything you were saying, there was like some things like it's like, I can't remember if you said this, but like hair in the drain, you yeah. clean it. Like it's all these things and I'm like, fuck, I do that. Yeah. Like I do that. Yes. Oh my God, I do that. It's just normal stuff, stuff that yeah. no one's really talking no. about. It's so normal. It's yeah, not it's real. So normal. It's when not normal. I, well, when I say gross girl, it's just like 
normal girl. But no one talks about But gross girl has a nice ring to it. So we're going to stick with gross girl talk. Yeah. But I didn't realise how... I didn't realize how many people needed that content. Like yeah. most of the comments are people saying thank you or people saying that they're like depressed and this has made them feel better oh, about themselves. Wow. Yeah. So I think it's quite good to be showing that, but I do worry when I next have to raise millions of dollars <laughs> if anyone is going to back me. Don't worry, your followers would have gone up. Like, damn. Have, have you seen a transition from your following growing to Sunroom? Like, So this is what we're going to tackle mm, next. Yeah. So I think what I have worked out is that a series is where it's at because yeah. now every time a sound comes out or I see a trend, yeah. gross girl is in my mind mm-hmm. and I'm just like, yes, that's how I would do this for gross girl. Mm-hmm. Anytime I do something gross, it's so low effort. It's mm, yeah, it's it amazing. Yeah. So I think coming up with a series is quite good. So that's what we're brainstorming now for Sunroom. It's like what will be our pillars? What will be a series that makes sense to us and is something that – is part of, like, it's a differentiator for Sunroom. Yeah. So I do think having a, I think if you can come up with a series, it really helps guide your inspiration. Yeah. You know? So true. Mm. But Sarah hasn't seen the series, obviously. Can you just give us a couple of examples of some of the stuff you've spoken about? Because it is so In relatable. In my head, I'm like, God, <laughs> no, I do a lot of gross shit. No, it's so relatable. I'm okay. I'm going to show you how disgusting I am, but I genuinely have always hated showers. Yeah. And having a shower is like my worst nightmare. I just think it's a waste of time. And that period when you get out of the shower and you're just cold. Yeah. I think that's why I don't like them. Yeah. So I speak about, you know, going to the gym and then just sitting in your gym gear all yeah. day. I speak about what was one of my latest ones. I got to think about this. Oh, I wrote a list of like all the the gross girl checklist, and it's like yeah. you don't clean your makeup brushes. No, never. Like, bo- does everyone's bobby pins just disappear? Yes, everywhere. Oh I God, really. I've got one. I've travelled with this whole time. I'm like Sarah. Tell me bobby pins. And I went to the back of my purse. And I was like, Oh my God, I have so they're just, many. They're just up. always gone. Yeah. But also like driving around with your tank on empty is just such a oh, gross yeah. gross girl trait. Yeah. Um, not doing like. Just kind of sitting in your own filth and not really doing anything mm-hmm. and watching reality TV and ordering Uber Eats. That's not gross. I think that's like downtime yeah, <laughs> that we all need. But I think on the weekend, sometimes we just feel so much pressure to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just trying to <laughs> let the gross girls know that the pressure's off. Yeah. I know I, one gross girl trait I do and one of our friends does as well. Um Every time, like, you stop at a light or something, you flip down your mirror and check your pimples if there's oh, pimples. Yeah. Like, going always. to, I was going to do one yesterday. Like, I will put pimple cream on and I have no shame. I will just have it on my face the whole day. I'll be in Zoom <laughs> calls all day and I just don't care. Yeah. But it was funny because <laughs> this week, actually, I had an interview with the <laughs> AFR and the journalist got on and she said, Oh, you've been coming up in my TikTok feed. Oh, and I'm no. thinking, fuck. Um, and I was honest and I said, you know, I actually haven't showered today and I wasn't. I thought about getting changed, but I just don't feel I need to anymore because now everyone knows I'm gross. <laughs> and she said, I was actually going to join the interview in my PJs and I thought, you know, she won't care. Oh, I'm like, you should have. This yeah, is exactly yeah. exactly it. Yeah, I love it. It's great. It's You've definitely created a movement. It is very different. I think the thing for me is like my Instagram definitely in the past probably seemed pretty perfect Mm -hmm. and glam. And a lot of the things I did at Bumble were very glam and amazing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that almost set me up to be pretty scared to show any other side of my life. And I felt like I always had to be this glam, businesswoman-y, I don't know. And I don't, I think what I've realized is like being a businesswoman of any kind is not about being perfect, perfect and yeah. having your shit together and looking polished all the time. Mm-hmm. I think most days I'm like ratchet as hell <laughs> and I'm like in a bit of a shambles. Yeah. And I just think sometimes you have so much to focus on that these other areas of your life do slip away from you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's actually fine because you are trying so hard yeah. at one thing and I think it's fine to put a lot of your time and attention into that. And now I just feel like I can be a little bit more honest about the fact that I 
I sometimes have a routine and other times I don't. And Mm -hmm. I've struggled in the past in interviews where I've been asked, you know, how do you motivate yourself every day? What are some strategies that you use? Because sometimes I have them and sometimes I really don't. But like you can still get through it. Yeah, and so true. Yeah, that's what gross girls help me recognize. (laughs) So good. I love it. I relate to all of that. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's relatable. That's what I said. It's like so relatable. I I don't get up and meditate and then do work straight away. No way. No way. I honestly think it might be undoing my imposter syndrome a little bit. I actually think that's what it's helping to do because I had never experienced imposter syndrome until Sunroom. And then I think like this like fundraising and Mm. starting this tech company and having all these really smart people around you all the time, it made me feel very like out of my depth and pretty scared. And, you know, you see all these stories of these incredible tech founders who've really like, uh, it's like a playbook that they've really lived Mm. by. And it's, I, I'm not really like that. And I do things more off the cuff and with my intuition and I don't know, I, I just have a bit of a different approach to how I do things. And so I've never felt like I'm going to fall into that category of founder and yeah. showing that I'm not really like that online has helped me. It's like now that I speak about it, I actually don't feel like I've been struggling with imposter syndrome that much over the past month. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. You should be proud of yourself. Yeah. That's good. That's a good so everyone go be gross. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Are you do, now that you found this gross girl talk? Are you posting more authentic things on Instagram, or you've just you're letting that Instagrams? I I'm definitely letting a bit more gross girl shine mm, through yeah. on Instagram, which I think is good because I went through this period where I really didn't show much yeah. of what I of what I was doing, and it was because it was super hard building Sunroom. Yeah. It was definitely a lot going on. And because my Instagram had been so business focused for so long, I felt like I didn't really have anything worthy to post or anything that anyone would find interesting because we weren't speaking about what Sunroom really was. We weren't launching anytime soon. And that was a bit of a weird thing to go through because my identity on Instagram had been probably more of a professional one. Uh, And so I, but that was one of the things I had to overcome when I left Bumble was like relearning my identity without Mm. being attached to that brand. And Mm. I guess it's taken me a couple of years to like figure it out. But I feel like Instagram for me has just become less of a focus. Yeah, I agree. I think Instagram is more about DMs for me now and just seeing my friends. Mm -hmm. Um. And it is a highlight reel. It is. Yes. Like yeah. literally every single post I, I post on there, it is a highlight. Mm-hmm. Whereas TikTok's like the complete opposite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like obsessed with TikTok. Um, I want to go back to you were saying there was a few challenges when you guys were starting Sunroom. Can you talk through like one of those challenges? I think the biggest one, oh, there's a few. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're always business. They're always it. So our app took quite a bit longer to build than we thought it Mm -hmm. would. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense. Like so much of what's going on in Sunroom is innovative and it's stuff that's never really been done. Like with our anti-screenshot technology. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, you can't take screenshots on Sunroom. It's called… Like Raya, the dating app. You can't take screenshots. But they… Ours is better. (laughs) (laughs) Because they serve like a we know you did it type thing. We actually don't let you do it. Oh, oh, great. Yeah, so where the content is, it's replaced with this illustration that says this image is protected with sunblock. So you can still see all the UI. You just can't see the content. So it's a similar kind of technology that Netflix and Hulu Uh and stuff uh use in their apps when they stop people from being able to screen record like movies and stuff like that. But no company had ever applied it to consumer uploaded content, which is what makes it the industry Mm -hmm. first. So we'll keep it, stick (laughs) with that. (laughs) But that was super hard to build. It's also so fucking competitive hiring engineers. It's so hard. They're just paid so well. It's also really hard to find women engineers. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be hard to get engineers to want to work at a startup because they can go and work at Apple and Google and Facebook or Meta, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it, and have quite… This might be 
this is a general thing to say, but mm-hmm. it might be a bit more comfortable, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, working at a startup is a bit riskier. Mm-hmm. You really do have to dedicate a lot of your time and life to it. Mm-hmm. So hiring engineers was really challenging and we definitely did some things which weren't right. You know, we used too many contractors. We probably spent too much money. We, yeah, might not have taken the time we should have with that mm-hmm. because we, I think we felt under pressure to launch and yeah. really get people in the door. So I think that would be one of the biggest learnings with how we approach that. But now I'm probably going to contradict myself. I think patience has also been one of the biggest learnings. Yeah. Like, And this is why 2021 was hard because Lucy and I just expected things to move faster than they did. But everyone tells you once you get an estimate with tech times it by three and oh, wow. that's about as long as mm. it'll actually take. And yeah. that ended up being... Correct. Yeah. But I think patience is something that I still have to remind myself daily. And it's an interesting battle because startups is all about speed to market and being really agile and doing things really quickly. But I think you have to balance that with patience to like not pull the trigger on something too soon where maybe you could have got better data or like maybe you're going to end up spending more money because you're Mm going to kick something off sooner than you should have. And I honestly think this is going to be a long ride. Mm -hmm. And with Lucy and I both coming from these huge dating apps where, especially for me at Bumble, I was exposed to rapid growth very, very Mm -hmm. quickly. I think I was a little naive with Sunroom thinking that like, I'll just do that again. Yeah. 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 It just takes, it's, yeah, it takes a bit longer. And Mm -hmm. I've never been at a startup in the first two years. Like I started at Bumble in year two. I started at Keep It Cleaner in year two. And these first two years are really about trial and error and making iterations and really getting into the data and like seeing where the magic is and then just Mm. doubling down on that. I think it's really brave of you. It's like a scary thing to dive into. It's so scary. scary. But it's more rewarding, 100%. Yeah. And there's so much to learn. Like I can't believe how much I have learned or been exposed to in the past couple of years. it's a very steep learning curve. So I, yeah, have huge like hopes and dreams for Sunroom. And obviously I I want, like I'd love to say I know. Like I can't <laughs> It's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is it is super risky running yeah, your yeah. Own, own startup. And also like right now there's an economic downturn, which is really hitting mm. the tech industry. It's really hitting venture capital, Mm -hmm. uh, huge tech companies are coming out on Twitter every day saying that they've, they're letting go of hundreds of staff. But I think we're, we're in a good position with like our time, Mm -hmm. our timeline, but there's just so much to consider. Yeah. I think once it's yours. With the sunroom, if you're a consumer, what are you paying? What's like the price point of paying each each month or what is the deal membership kind of vibe? So the subscription prices range from $2 a month to $30 a month Mm -hmm. USD. Okay. So it depends what the creator you're into has set Mm -hmm. their price at. Mm -hmm. I would say the average price is around $10 to $15. Okay. creators do put up some free content also. Yes. So you can access – the app's free to download and Mm -hmm. you can access some free content. And some creators only focus on the free content, to be honest. So we've got a couple of – one of the biggest porn stars, actually, Riley Reid. No way. Wow. Yeah. So she's on the app and she's she has OnlyFans as well. Okay. And it's like OnlyFans is where she does her hardcore stuff. Yeah. yeah. But she really struggles on Instagram because she's a porn star. Yeah, of so she is basically discriminated against for her off-platform work. So on Sunroom, she's really just building a community and uh-huh. sharing all the things she'd love to post on Instagram, but yeah, she right. can't because yeah. she's a porn star. How does what's the balance of consumers then? Men versus women? It honestly is mainly women because yeah. we a lot of our creators do have a very heavily skewed women following. Yeah. So most of our um, users are women, but there are definitely men in there that spend a lot of money. Really? <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah. Because well, they want a fan of these of course. women. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're a mega yeah. fan of Riley yeah. Reid, like she'll probably reply to your DM on Sunrise. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So I've also got a question now about getting creators onto Sunroom. How did you, you've obviously got a big network in Australia, but how did you 
get them on? Like, because mm. it was so new. How do you convince them to try it? It definitely did help having worked with creators yeah. in the past. So I have so much respect and admiration and appreciation for like every creator that mm. said yes at the start because it definitely takes balls to be the first mm. to do something, yeah. especially when you have a brand, a personal brand, a reputation, a credible yourself, mm-hmm. you know, that's a bit of a gamble. And those early creators that said yes, their yeses did so much for us oh, wow. because that's been one of the hardest challenges for a lot of uh, apps in our space mm-hmm. is actually appealing to yeah. creators and winning creators. Yeah. And so when we could go out to investors saying, we've already got this person, this person, mm-hmm. and this person, that also really helped with our yeah. raise. And like Chantel was one of those amazing people. Like Lucy Jackson was another mm-hmm. person. There was so there were so many people. But yeah, my my network helped. And then once we got those first names, it really rolled from there. But we also did something which I think was quite a clever strategy. The first people that we got involved, we actually brought them on as advisors and really like made them a part of the Mm -hmm, business. mm -hmm. So we have nine creator advisors Mm -hmm. that have been with us from the beginning that did a lot of product testing, gave feedback to us on features and really ensured that we were building exactly what they wanted Mm -hmm. and needed. And then they also brought their own networks on. And that's how we got our first 100 founding creators. Mm -hmm. We launched with 100 founding creators. We had a wait list. Um, And now people still come onto the app and they sign up to the wait list. We review it daily Mm -hmm. and get people off now pretty quickly. At first, we took a bit more time because we wanted to make sure we could actually moderate the app We wanted to make sure things weren't breaking. We wanted to change features a little bit. Mm -hmm. But now we're starting to transition into more of an aggressive like sales Mm -hmm. approach because it kind of is sales Mm. running a a company like this. Like you've probably received the emails from OnlyFans. I actually haven't. Okay, well, you will. I'm oh, sure you I said to Sarah, I'm like, fuck, I'd love to sell my feet photos. What do it on like Sunroom. <laughs> you should. Yeah. I took feet pics yesterday for a sock company. So I was yeah. like, this, get is, them, a, this yeah. is a start. Get them on Sunroom. It's like People a real can't thing. Tra- screenshot them. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, they do a lot of, we've definitely looked at what mm. other companies do in our space. And they do a lot of outreach. We okay, yeah. So we're going to be be doing a bit of that now mm. to really start to scale things up. Is that even like paid partnerships with influencers and stuff or you're kind of not going that way? Yeah, we've never paid anyone to use the app mm. just because if they use it, they'll make money. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It could be making like it's the passive income aspect. No, yeah, no, I yeah. just meant like to have an influencer like promote it on yeah. Instagram or something like that. Hey, I would promote if I had hundreds and thousands of people and then I'd be like, hey, come oh, over. Oh, yeah, because they're going to – A dollar each of you. Yeah, 100%. No, honestly, like when I see some big creators putting content out mm. there that's – yeah, that maybe is a bit more knowledge sharing or like they're talking about a breakup, mm. something really juicy mm. or maybe it is a super hot photo. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, true. you should do this on Sunroom and you know your audience will want to see it and they'll come over and you'll make money. Mm. So true. Can just to transition people from say like Instagram to Sunroom, could someone put a photo? Do you now people put like an emoji over and be like, hey, this link it to oh, yeah, the sunroom? Sun that room. is the That's best clever. like promotional strategy I've yeah. seen. Yeah. So yeah. The, the creators on Sunroom that earn the most money, that's exactly what they do. Yeah, so they'll smart. post a a hot photo or some intriguing Mm. photo and they'll cover Mm. it and then they've got their sunroom link there and that's how you consistently drive drive Mm. traffic in. Wow. So by no means is sunroom meant to – it's not a social network. Mm. You're not meant to stop using Instagram or stop using TikTok. Like that's always going to be where the bulk of your audience is. Yeah, of course. That's always where you're going to get reach, impressions. That's what brands are going to want to tap into. Sunroom is to monetize your top fans, like your super fans, mm. and to give them a deeper in, like deeper in look into your life mm-hmm. and and what you do. So it's about taking that like one to five percent of people it normally is who will subscribe and 
yeah, creating yeah. that third yeah. revenue stream. It's very, very, very smart. Even knowledge. I know that both of us have been stuck on TikTok, like learning all oh. these tricks about. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, like we use email marketing campaigns, something about Shopify. Shopify, and you're like, oh god, that's smart. Like, yeah. let's mm. implement. That. And I'm like, why are you sharing that on TikTok? Yeah. Like now, all your competitors are going to know. But I know. Yeah. yeah, and I also think like when I speak to creators and they they don't know where to start, like they're curious, but they don't really know where to start. The best thing to do is just ask your audience, mm, like, mm-hmm. what would you want to see more of? Mm. I'm thinking about doing A, B, and C. Does that appeal to you? Okay, what price would you be willing to pay? And really involve them in the conversation. And the other thing is I speak to so many creators that just get inbound, like, DMs, and you can get into these conversations and it, they can be quite emotionally draining oh, yeah, or you've given away so much information yeah. and it's like, okay, you should probably be paying for this now. And so Sunroom's great to monetize your DMs because no one can DM you unless they're a subscriber. So oh. like now when people DM me for business advice, I just drop my Sunroom link and I'm like, I do this over here because oh my God, if I'm going to give you my time, like yeah. I – it's not like it's, it's expensive. You're like, like yeah. consulting. It's like $10. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's $10 and I'll give you, I'll yeah. help you, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a great idea because I like, I get business questions all the time mm. or like factory questions or all that stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, like, but if and I'm it, making money from it, of yeah. course, I'll tell you. Yeah. And it's good when you know the person on the other side respects your experience and respects your time and it really creates a different it does create a different feeling once you're in dms and you're speaking to someone that you know has actually paid to be there Mm. and does respect you in that way yeah (laughs) well you've definitely like i've learned so much more about sunroom and i think it's so clever and i think you're doing amazing things watch telly yeah yeah. (laughs) i'll help you yeah please i'll give you all of my tips yeah (laughs) Yeah. um but i think it's so good and i think anyone that's listening if there is a follower that you follow then definitely go check out if they're yeah. on there. and if they're not on that go dm them and tell them to go or on tell me to yeah. go get them yeah, and true. i'll get them yeah true. <laughs> true that's so true do you have any other questions no nah, i'm just like kudos and i admire you for yeah, going out on a limb moving countries Thank you. doing a startup it's, i know it's scary yeah. yeah you should be so proud like so proud. Thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity to speak about Yay, it. Yay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.